With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are live, Gamecock Central Live. A little bit of a, I don't want to say it's an emergency episode, but it is a non-planned episode. I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark with some news today, and we were wondering when this would be coming down. Uh, South Carolina, if you are a Gamecock fan living under a rock, um, I'm sure you already know, Gamecocks announcing Colin Hill as their starting quarterback officially today. That word coming down from Will Muschamp via Steve Fink, who sent out the release to uh, the rest of the South Carolina media to spread that word around. Again, I'm Wes Mitchell. He's Chris Clark. Thanks for joining us here. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, slash Twitter, and we are, of course, on GamecockCentral.com and on the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. So, again, appreciate all of you joining us, watching, listening, all that good stuff. And, Chris, uh, I know you already uh, worked furiously to – post some thoughts on this on uh, GamecockCentral.com and uh, sort of gave a little bit of the behind the scenes to this. And I would say my my biggest question going in was more as this day sort of got closer and closer was actually when they were going to announce it and make it official. I think, um, you know, we, we felt like it was going to be Colin Hill. We uh, had said as much here on the show. We reported as much on Gamecock Central. It's just a matter of when it was going to be official. And I would say there's two sides of that. When's it official internally? And then when is it official externally as far as an announcement, which is what we just got, um, what, about maybe 45 minutes ago now as we're recording here on Thursday afternoon. So, um, Chris, initial thoughts on the move here. And then we're going to get into all the details and why Colin Hill or, or what Colin Hill is going to bring to this team. But initial thoughts on the decision for South Carolina to go with Colin Hill game one against Tennessee, and um, were you surprised at all? No surprise. That, that's, you know, first and foremost, I think you laid it out there. This was the expect and move. You know, at the end of the day, um, it sort of looked like that's the way it was lining up. Maybe even heading into camp a little bit, but certainly when camp started, you know, that was the key. They wanted to get through this coaching staff, wanted to get through some scrimmage situations and make the decision from there. Obviously, no matter what was thought of Colin Hill with, you know, after he got back rehabbing the knee the summer that he had, getting into the preseason, obviously, if he hadn't played well, he, he wouldn't be the guy. But, Wes, I think the, the biggest thing is he did have a good preseason. He's been healthy. And the experience factor here is just huge. You know, you're talking about putting in a new offense. Um, you're talking about having a shortened spring. Um, and Muschamp's talked about how from a preparation standpoint, they've had more time than in a typical preseason, which has certainly been a positive for them. But you're talking about playing a quarterback who has almost 20 games of experience in this very offense under Mike Bobo, 
um, who was running the offense there at Colorado State as the head coach, and a guy that's thrown over 400 passes in this offense. And when you're dealing with a lack of proven playmakers, when you got some questions there, when you got some questions about the running game, having a guy like Colin Hill to sort of steer the ship, you know, I think is key. And I think that was huge in this decision. But I don't want people to come away with the impression that this is just like, is it the safer pick? Yes, for sure. That's a good thing, right? But it's not just, well, he knows the offense. He's not talented, though. That's not the case. You know, this is a guy that has significant arm talent and is pretty similar to Ryan Helensky in sort of the, in terms of their playing style. Yeah, man. So I, I think as we um, sort of break this down, there has been a sense, and we, you know, we've talked about the quarterback battle all off season, right, and into like preseason camp, and then. Everything I post on Facebook or Instagram the last few days about, hey, the season's here. Who's going to be the starting quarterback is is always asked. Um, you know, so I, I think I, I was wondering, is this going to be a, a must champ circa 2016 where we just see an announcement day, day of game, right? Um, you know, and, and also, you know, you look and I think they really wanted for this to to truly be a competition as far as those guys pushing each other and, and frankly giving both guys a chance to um, to go out there and, and show, you know, that, that they could be the guy. Now, I will say this, it's sort of, you know, and they, they even rotated the guys, you know, you get ones, you get snaps with the ones day one, you get snaps with the ones day two, et cetera, et cetera. But I think coming into the year, and I said this on, on 107.5 with those guys. I said coming in, there was a sense from the fan base or a segment of the fan base, at least the ones I pay attention to on our site, on Twitter, calling in on 107.5, that sort of thought the default, sort of all things being equal, was going to end up being Ryan Helensky because he was more known, I think, with obviously the Carolina fan base from playing last year. I think the default was what we're seeing right now. You know, basically, Colin Hill was probably going to be the starter unless Helensky just absolutely um, just balled out and, and made it a no-brainer because let's talk about this offensive scheme. This is not an RPO, fast pace offense. This is not a simplified offense. This is not an offense that says we're going to just go fast and hope you make mistakes. This is an offense that is predicated on the quarterback fine-tuning, you know, getting getting the ball where it needs to be on every given play, right? On recognizing stuff pre, pre-snap, on knowing, frankly, a variety of different formations and concepts, and it's very pro-style. So, you know, I, I think all things being equal, the – knowledge of this scheme was always going to be tough for Halinski to um to catch up to Colin Hill on. Now throw in the fact the other part of this, the other misconception is what you just touched on, Chris. I don't think this is a well Hill and this is a a concept or a misconception I've seen out there. I don't think this is quarterback A doesn't know the offense quite as well, but is way more talented. Quarterback B 
knows the offense like the back of his hand, but is just a game manager or or whatever sort of negative connotation quarterback phrase you want to put on him. Hill absolutely has a huge arm. One of the first things we were told when he was cleared was that his teammates were amazed when they first saw Hill this summer about how well he could throw the deep ball, about how much he could sort of extend his range. You know, you get the first look at a guy throwing the ball, well, the way the ball comes out of his hand, very catchable ball, can put touch when he needs to, can put zip when he needs to. So I think Carolina fans are going to be, some of them maybe even be a little surprised in, what are we at, nine days now? In nine days when they actually watch the ball come out of Hill's hand because he is a very talented kid, as you said. Yeah, I mean, he, he's one of those guys that – and you're, you're right, that sort of when you talk about a guy's experience and sort of him having an edge because of experience, I think people – that's obviously a positive, but some for some reason people automatically go to, well, it's only the experience, and that's not the case. Again, this is a guy that has, from an arm strength standpoint, like he's got a pro type of arm. I mean, he can make the throws. Go, You know, go watch his film. Now, when he's been healthy – He's been pretty good. Um, does he need to play better even than he has in the past for South Carolina to be good on offense? I think so. And a lot of that's going to be what South Carolina has around him, run game, offensive line play, playmakers. Those things, you know, particularly playmakers, are a concern, right? But to have him steady the ship and to have a guy who can make all those throws certainly helps you. You look at Hill, he can make everything. He's not out there dinking and dunking. You know, when he played at Colorado State, he would throw the deep ball. He would throw over the middle with zip. Yeah, he could throw the short stuff. He could run some play action stuff. So, yeah, he knows the offense, but he also has the arm talent to go make all the throws. Now, does that necessarily equate to him playing great or this offense being super productive? Not necessarily. It just means that he has the arm talent to do it, and he has had moments in his career where he's played quite well. Um, he had some talent around him. There's some guys at Colorado State he played with that are playing in the NFL right now are going to play in the NFL very soon, drafted next year. Um, so that's still a concern. But just from a pure, pure, you know, package standpoint of what he brings to the field, it's experience and a good bit of it. It's a mind that knows this offense and is going to be able to get guys in the right place, which is important for a team that's going into a new scheme that has a lot of questions. And then the ability to throw the football, those things are all there. Yeah, and there's um there's a there's a comment on here. And by the way, appreciate everybody joining us as always. See, I see fresh names. I see names that have been joining us a lot. So I appreciate um, the support. I know Chris does as well. Um, Elizabeth Ballard, appreciate your uh, your love there, your comment. Um, but uh, also, there's a comment I want to get to. David Weeks, if you're still listening on Facebook, hang tight. We're gonna get to this comment because it is uh, it's a comment I don't understand, but it is a it's something I've seen from some other folks as well as I've seen people give their opinion on this quarterback competition. So I want to get to that. But first of all, um, Chris, real quick, tease everybody a little bit on the fact that this is exciting news for us because it lets us potentially do this show. The The support has been awesome, and that's because of you guys and gals. But the uh, we want to be able to do these more and more. And some some folks out there are going to make that possible for us. And we're going to have all the details, I would say, coming out uh, tomorrow and then even more so on Monday. But um, 
tell them a little bit about some of our one of our new friends here on, on the show, Chris, just real quick. Yes. So as well said, <clears throat> a lot more stuff coming out here in the coming days, uh, probably beginning tomorrow, like you said, but Affordable Medical USA, those guys are going to be, you're going to be seeing a lot more of them on GC Live um, and really cool game day chair, right? We're going to be showing this thing tomorrow, right? You want to go ahead and throw it out there tomorrow, Wes? We're going to show the people, yeah. give the people what they want and they are going to be uh, behind a driving force behind this show, and we're going to tell you a lot more about them. But they uh, they have this game day chair that's super awesome. As you guys know, tickets are limited to the games this year. A lot more people are going to be watching at home. You got to have a comfortable chair. So we're going to be unveiling tomorrow the game day chair from Affordable Medical USA, and I'm really pumped about it. So hopefully everybody will tune in for that, and we're going to have a lot more details on sort of the uh, the future of of this thing that we've been doing called GC live. Yeah. And we'll, um, I, I'll, I think we can go ahead and tell them you're going to see a lot more of our faces on here. I, I hope so. Um, also tomorrow, um, four to five o'clock. If you're in the area, you get off work, want to go get, grab an early bike to eat or want to grab a drink, come see Cress and I, we're going to be broadcasting this show live from market on main. Um, that is on Main Street, downtown Columbia. Pretty new spot. Uh, they've got a 23-foot LED screen outside. Awesome setup. And um, we're really excited to be out there. And then, so, go ahead and get your tickets, by the way. Season opener against Tennessee. Market on Main is doing a, uh, basically, three-course tailgating party meal watch party for the game. It is $50 to reserve your seat basically because this, there's only cer a certain amount of people that can be out there, especially with social distancing. But that includes your three-course gourmet tailgating meal at, uh, at Market on Main. So you get out there, you have your spot reserved, you're in front of a 23-foot screen, three-course meal, live music is going to be out there at some point, and it's going to be sort of a game day atmosphere. So two little things there. Come see us tomorrow, 4 to 5 at Market on Main, and then watch party Market on Main. Hey, my man Lou Antonelli is on here. He, Lou might be at Market on Main. You never know. Um, Lou, a great Gamecock. Um, and then we got some exciting stuff. Uh, week two, Florida game. They're doing a brunch watch party, which, dude, Columbia, South Carolina, you got football, booze, and brunch. Like, that's the three things people in Columbia like the most. So, um, excited about those guys. And, uh, all right, back to the quarterback deal. And there's a comment on here. I think as South Carolina fans, South Carolina people, South Carolina media, etc., if this is ever going to be a truly big-time program and consistently a big-time program, you got to start thinking like big-time programs do, right? And so the comment here, and I'm not, I'm not picking on David here, but it's something I've seen a lot of. Um, he says, wow, I think this is a nightmare waiting to happen. I hope all of our backups transfer. No need to recruit them if you're not going to play them. Um, first of all, don't don't exactly know what that means. But I believe what he's getting at, and I've seen this sentiment elsewhere, is basically that it's a shot at Helensky that he's not starting or that it's not fair that he's not starting or, or something like that. 
the the major programs at the quarterback position recruit guys every year. And you recruit talent every year. And may the best man win. And, you know, I think, for one, this is something Ryan Helensky can build off of, right? For two, this is the year 2020, the year of COVID-19. You're going to need more than one quarterback because you are one contact trace away from losing a player for 14 days, and that would be two games. So you're going to need both guys. But this is a reason major college football teams have competitions every single year. The quarterback competition gets put in the spotlight because it's the most premier position on the field. But it was it's a fair competition, right? I think that you, you have the competition, then the best man wins. Just like next year, it'll be the same thing, you know, and – when Gunnar Stockton gets here and he and Luke Doty and the and Helensky are all fighting it out, they'll the best man will win that one as well. So just because Helensky's not the quarterback now doesn't mean he's not going to be South Carolina's quarterback at some point in the future. But right now, th- this is what it is, and this is what you go with. I, I don't think it's all oh, the world is ending. It's not a nightmare. You have to actually go play the games now. Like, let's give Colin Hill a chance to go, you know, let's not – yell at him until, you know, he hasn't made a mistake yet, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there'll certainly be a um, – there'll be plenty of yelling no matter who is out there if, uh, you know, first interception or, or first sack he takes or whatever it may be. But, look, you're right. Um, you know, th- this is what the, the staff has gone with. Does that mean it's the – it'll be the right decision if it works, quote, unquote, it'll be the wrong decision if it doesn't work, you know? And so all we can do right now is assess it and understand why the decision was made. It wasn't made because they think he's, you know, a better, whatever it may be. I mean, whatever theory there may be, like, this is an important year. It's a very difficult schedule. College coaches aren't out there playing guys at quarterback just because uh, they like them more, whatever it may be. You know, I mean, this is, this is key. And uh, Mike Bobo has made it clear because, look, Will Muschamp's going to lean heavily on Mike Bobo for this decision. It's his offense. He trusts him with the offense. Muschamp's the head coach, sure. And obviously Mike Bobo and Colin Hill are close from having so much years of experience together. He's played in the offense, all those different things. There's, there's definitely more familiarity there. That's not a bad thing. It'd be the same thing if, if, Ryan, if Mike Bobo had been here for three years and had played in 20 games and thrown 400 passes, and somebody came in as a freshman who was really good, et cetera, the guy who has more experience tends to have the edge as long as they've played well, right? And so that's what you've got here, and and that's important to remember. You know, um, I think, you know, looking at Colin Hill, he just – he's got so much more experience, and – it's not really about like what's fair. You're right. They're going to recruit guys every year. In 2022, they could hypothetically have Halinski, Doty, Colton Gothier, Gunnar Stockton. You know? And so you got all those guys. Like somebody is going to lose the job and somebody's going to transfer. And Mike Bobo, getting back to what I was saying earlier, he's not always started Colin Hill at Colorado State. So if Colin Hill doesn't play well against Tennessee, Ryan Holinsky may get a shot, whether it's in the game or if it's in the next game. 
Uh, I think it was 2018. Colin Hill didn't start out the season as the starter. You know, it was Carter Samuels. And then they sort of had an open competition in the midst of the year. And then both guys played a little bit. So it, it's been – Mike Bobo's not just saying, I want to play Colin Hill because I know him better. Does that help? Sure, it helps. Um, but there's also some legitimate reasons in terms of his arm. I think a lot of people are looking at Ryan Hlinski and going, he was a top 50 player, he should be the starter. Or he did some good things last year, he should be the starter. He, he did do some good things. He does have talent for sure. But it's not like he was a complete product – where this is a guy who's coming in as a as a fifth year senior or fourth year senior who has a huge track record of success. It's just not that. And so you got to take it for what it is. I know that's pretty long winded, but got a lot of thoughts on it. Yeah, man. And I, I think um by the way, I'm I'm gonna try to play Muschamp's comments here in a second. Um we're sort of flying by the seat of our pants here. I I don't know if it's gonna work or not. So I'm going to give it a shot here in a second because he he spoke briefly. He didn't – we're not going to just talk quarterback. He did have some other interesting things to say, talk a little bit about the running back position and some other things. It's just a matter of I can get it to play here live um, as we go. But, but yeah, uh, we're going to find out, right, when we're, when we're going to see. And I, I think, as always, man, you look, quarterback position is going to take more heat than it deserves. It's gonna, I mean, if South Carolina beats Tennessee, Colin Hill's going to be big man on campus, right, for at least a week. And then they'll play Florida, and if he throws an interception, he won't be for a week. You know, it's – I mean, that position <clears> – <throat> you know, I saw some people talking, well, are they going to have the playmakers to to get the job done on offense? We we don't know, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, think, I think you look and it's – to me, it's it's very much up in the air if this is going to be a – I'll even say if it's going to be a good – if it's going to be a decent offense. But that that also, I, I think you mentioned it or alluded to it earlier, that doesn't necessarily even mean this would be the wrong decision if the offense isn't great because there are question marks throughout this offense, I think. It, it's not just the quarterback. Like, it, I, I think about it almost – quarterback's the most important – position on offense bar none it, it can make you it can make a broken offense look a lot better right if you're not playing well there you're not going to be good at all um, if you're playing well there maybe you're not always as good as it would it would seem right I mean you've got to have a strong running game you got to have guys catching the ball if your quarterback's putting the ball on the money and you let, let's say you get 18 for you know third downs in a game and your receivers drop five would-be first-down balls on third down. I mean, you're not going to be as good, you know, and that was an issue last year. And so, you know, your quarterback is going to make things go for sure, but you got to be good around him. A lot of quarterbacks who are really good around the country also happen to have really good talent around them, and those are the teams that tend to be elite. Yeah, they they typically have awesome quarterback play, um, but they're also going to have guys – around them who can go make plays for you. The best quarterbacks in the country have guys that they can straight up throw the ball up to on third down and they can go make a play or they have a game-breaking running back, things like that. And so, yeah, there's a lot on Hill, but it's not all on him this year. And they've got to figure out some of those things. they got to figure out the run game. they got to figure out a way to scheme some guys open. they got to have some receivers step up to be more consistent. Got to score better in the red zone. Got to be better on third down. 
And that is one reason why bringing in Hill, you, you don't worry as much about Hill as does he know our situation here? Can he get us into the right play if the defense changes the look? Um, has he run this play in a game before? Can he make this throw? You don't worry. If you're Mike Bobo and Will Muschamp, you're not sitting there on game day on the sideline or in the press box going, I don't know about this. You know, like that is taken away. Now, he's still got to make a good throw. Your guys got to catch it. But it, there's less concern on those types of things. And you don't also sit there and go, well, I don't know if Colin Hill can make that throw. I'm not sure if he has the arm talent. He's got that too. There's some other concerns. You know, is, is he always going to put the ball on target? Can he move? Can he escape pressure? Those things are still there. He just brings less questions to an offense that has a ton of questions. Like he answers at least a couple of them for you. Yeah, and I, I think um, let, let's look around. Let's look around the country, man. What did Muschamp say on Sunday talking or on yeah on Sunday talking about Saturday? And he was talking about special teams, but it extends out. He said, "Man, there was some sloppy play yesterday," yeah. and. You're talking about the fact that not only does South Carolina have all these unknowns, man, but again, and I know I know people are just tired of even hearing the word COVID because I am. I'm tired of talking about it. But it is going to be a storyline in this season in the sense of you're going you're gonna to have a lot of moving parts around you. So having that guy, and yes, South Carolina is going to huddle more than they have in the past, right? So having a guy in the middle of that huddle, Chris, that can say, this is what we're doing. By the way, remember this or watch out for this. Um, you know, you have an opportunity there for guys to even be able to ask questions in the huddle, you know, quickly if they need to. So I, I think this offense is going to be about having somebody in there who does have command and can can not just do the physical things, but can mentally – Help make sure everybody's on the same page because we've talked about it, man. You're you're going to have some true freshmen playing around him as well. So, yep. you know, Lou, Lou Holtz used to say, for every true true freshman you play, you can add another loss to uh, you know to your record. So, having someone on the field with that experience, um, you know, I think is huge. I think having somebody like Adam Prentice is probably valuable. Um, you know comparatively, you know, to some other guys who would be on the field. So so we'll see, man. But I, I think all in all, again, they're not just not a surprise. I think if you really paid attention, you would see this is sort of the way it was heading anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Again, I mean, it, it makes sense. We, we've gone over all the, the reasons why it makes sense and and that it was the, the pretty obvious move. You know, I think what people – it won't be avoided – but what should be avoided is is we get to the Tennessee game, no matter what the outcome of the game is, and get through it. And people sort of obviously are going to – one of the biggest things you're going to assess, first of all, it's win or loss, right? And then it's going to be how the offense played because it's a huge storyline, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, all these different things. And if the offense isn't – you know, doesn't look markedly better, there's going to be a lot of conversation on that. And that's going to be the case for the Tennessee game and – the whole season going forward, but we need to set expectations right now. I don't know if people will take it. We'll try. I will go on. This is not going to be a super explosive offense. It's just not, you know, but they don't have to be. And Wes, you can disagree with me if you want. I mean, I don't care, but 
it's not going to be super explosive. There are questions in the run game, especially losing Lloyd. There are questions in terms of playmaking. You're also adjusting to a new scheme. Even though you do have a quarterback that's played in it, that certainly helps. Um, but this team, they don't have to be great offensively to go win some football games. They got to be better than they were last year, which was they had some moments early, then it was super inconsistent, then it completely fell off a cliff, right? Mm-hmm. And so people are going to put it on Colin Hill if this offense isn't really good, you know, maybe even from the outset or certainly during the season, but it's not, it shouldn't all be on him, right? Because we've seen last year when the running game didn't go when receivers were dropping passes, when they had a bunch of injuries and and then they're playing a bunch of guys who haven't really played at receiver. There are a lot of moving parts, like you said, and so it's not all on Colin Hill. If they get through through game one and he individually plays pretty well, but the team loses and the offense doesn't perform very well, he's going to take a lot of heat, you know. But that comes with playing quarterback. It, It is what it is. Yep, no doubt. All right, I think I have Muschamp queued up, so I'm going to go to this real quick. It's about three minutes, but um, if this works, then uh, the next thing you're going to see in here is Will Muschamp chatting with um, Steve Fink. I will say, those of you who are you know commenting and stuff, if um, if you can't hear this, uh, then please quickly let us know, and I'll I'll cut the video off, and we'll go back to talking. But here is uh, Will Muschamp to, just earlier today this afternoon talking about the decision to start Colin Hill. With Coach Will Muschamp, Coach, uh, wrap up all camp and start uh, game planning for Tennessee a little bit more and focus to them. Can you give us an update on your quarterback situation? Yeah, I can. You know, first of all, it's great to get started on Tennessee in a different opponent. I know our guys are excited. We had a really very upbeat day with a lot of energy. Colin Hill will start the game against Tennessee. Uh, I thought both guys had outstanding training camp. We can win with both guys. Bottom line, and, and uh, Ryan's had a really good camp. Obviously, they're at an advantage. Uh, for Colin, you know, playing with Coach Bobo before and, and, and schematically some things that certainly helped him, sure. But we can win with both guys. We've got confidence in both guys. And as I've told them and our entire football team, we're going into the unknown as far as that. We've got all hands on deck, ready to play. Luke Doty's gotten more reps at the quarterback position because what if we do lose Colin and Ryan to a COVID situation? We, we've got to have a bunch of guys ready to play in the game, um, but, but Colin will start for us. At the end of the day, was there anything specifically that separated the two of them or just a gut feel from, from a coaching standpoint with you and Mike? No, very difficult decision. You look at our three scrimmages, which are the three benchmarks really for the evaluation. Ryan was player of the day in the first one. Colin was in the second one. And both of them played extremely well in the third. It was very difficult. It was a hard decision. Uh, but, the, you know, that's the decision that we made. Uh, and I've said before, we can win with both guys. We have great confidence in both guys, and both guys know that. You go into the game, um, obviously anything can happen in a game, but do you go in with the mindset that it's Collins to go the distance, or would you like to see an opportunity for Ryan to get in there, just get his feet wet if nothing else? Well, certainly from a standpoint of the way COVID is, you you want to be able to to put that situation, but it's Collins' game, and that's the way we're going to go into the game. But like any other position, if someone's not playing well, we're going to make a change. So I guess the question is then how long is that leash? I mean, and obviously that can make a mistake, but but you, Collins, your well, guy for that. The Collins, our guy. We're going to turn that on game day. How about the running back situation? You feel comfortable there with? Yeah, the I don't know that anybody's really distanced themselves. Kevin wasn't at the last scrimmage because of a family matter, uh, but he's been probably the most consistent back. I thought Deshaun Fenwick's done some really nice things. Uh, Zaquandre's done some really good things for us as well. We need to, you know, get him back where he's full speed. I, I think right now I don't know that he's full speed, um, but still looks good. So those those guys have looked good. 
the tackle positions, the other one on offense that's a little bit of an unknown going. Are you, are fortunately, you fortunately, we've got a couple extra days to, to work through that. We're still rotating some guys through. Uh, you know, Jalen Nichols, Bershawn Lee, Ja'Kai Moore, uh, Jazz and Turrentine. Dylan can play both right and left. He feels comfortable with both. So we'll, we'll make those decisions probably in the early part of next week. And you've mentioned before about feeling good in the secondary of having four guys there. Are you closer to having that fifth guy when you go to the nickel package? Just different combinations of different people, whether JC's playing nickel, uh, whether Israel's playing safety, uh, whether they're both staying at corner and shallows coming in and playing safety. Uh, we've also got a dime package where RJ can be the dime. We're going to get Jamar back so he can be the dime as well. So we've got some different combinations and just really the guys that are communicating and playing the best will be the guys we'll go with. Obviously, we're still about nine days away, but health-wise, you feel good with, with really good. I mean, we're, we're in a good, obviously, the, you know, the tragic situation with Marshawn Lloyd. Trey Jones will be fine. He'll be back, and, and uh, we, uh, but uh, hope to get Jamar back uh, next week. Thank you, Coach. All right, Appreciate thank you. It. Appreciate it. All right, so that's, of course, um, Will Muschamp. And, um, Chris, so I think the big question we've also gotten all offseason has been, uh, you know, as this battle has played out, is do you play both guys, you know, in in a one-game situation? I think listening – and Muschamp didn't want to completely sort of rule it out that Helensky could get on the field. It it sounded like maybe there's a little bit of just – not gamesmanship, but just not wanting to sort of give away much as game week is here. But I take the quote, this is Collins' game, uh, sort of as being the overlying um, message there. Could Alinsky get in at some point? Yes, but I don't think it's going to be like you play him, you know, you play Colin Hill two series and then you rotate Alinsky in or anything like that. Um, do, do you sort of get the same vibe? Yeah. At some point with quarterback, you got to decide who the best guy is. And and I know people always love to go back to, hey, Steve Spurrier played two guys, but not always. I mean, that was something. And it didn't always work out either. It didn't always work out either. You're right. So, I mean, it, it's always – it's like this, this concept out there that, you know, if you've got two guys who are maybe relatively close and both play well, maybe even both deserve to play, it's just different at quarterback. There's, there's one ball – there's one guy who the, the quarterback touches the ball in every play, and if he's, if he's the guy, then you give him the game normally. You know, it's not running back where you've got a, a main guy or maybe a, a two-headed sort of monster, and maybe you have a third guy in there. It's not receiver where you're starting two or three, and maybe you're playing six or so. It's just a totally different ball game, and that's why – that's one reason why you see, you know, quarterbacks, if you recruit a bunch of good ones every year – we talked about this earlier – you're typically going to have them leave if, if they're not capable of playing another position and buy into that because they want to go somewhere and play. So, um, yeah, I mean, just because a guy has a good preseason at quarterback like Kalinske's had, they, they've been happy with what he's done for the most part from what he Muschamp said, from what Bobo said, from what we've heard. It's not that he's played poorly by any means. It's just that Hill's been better in their mind and that he has experience. And so – um, he's got those advantages going for him. So, um, you know, it, it's just again different type of ball game when you're talking about quarterback in terms of you know how how you typically handle it. Now, if Colin Hill goes out there and struggles really badly from the outset, um, or, or you look at it after the Tennessee game, you look over the tape and you feel like Kalinsky might deserve a shot, then you go from there. Um, but different different type of situation when you're talking about a guy that that's touching the ball every single play. Yeah, man. So. Um... 
let, let's hit on some of the other stuff Muschamp said because it is it is noteworthy. This isn't the only you know I wrote about some of the position battles that are ongoing, and quarterback, rightfully so, gets talked about the most. But there there are some other things going on. I would say, uh, and by the way, somebody asked, did we agree with the decision? And someone else said they didn't agree with the decision. And I mean, guys, we've we've seen the same amount of practice, literally, as anybody else on this has right now, unless somebody working for the team is gracing our uh, podcast here with their presence. And, you know, I, I think so it, it's hard to disagree with the decision when you haven't seen a single snap. You know, I, I think that the coaches see it. And at this point, I know some people hate the like phrase, trust the coaches, but I mean, no, nobody's watching practice right now other than coaches and players. And just for every reason that we've already laid out, Everything, um, you know, everything that we've said and everything we've heard has been Colin Hill has really had the lead behind the scenes throughout, mm-hmm. and so this none, none of this is really that much of a uh, of a big surprise. All right, so the other spots, running back, Chris, I would say um, Muschamp kind of can kind of confirmed something we'd heard a little bit of, and that was when he questioned if. Zaquandre White is completely a hundred percent. That's a little bit of a that's that's a negative, you know. I, I think that that's not what you want to hear. Muschamp generally does not talk about injuries a whole lot, and you know him saying that. I I think you know him. We talked about it. Hamstrings can linger, so whether or not White was completely healthy, I think was a sort of big. Uh, determining factor on what that running back rotation is going to look like game one. You know, I, I don't think you can really rush him out there if he's not healthy. So he he said nobody's really emerged, but I, I think that further probably uh, confirms or solidifies is probably the word that Kevin Harris is probably going to get the first carries, but completely wide open as far as if somebody else can take their opportunity and uh, excuse the awful pun, but run with it and and go from there. Yeah, and and again, I think when you when you look at this offense, the coaches are probably going to lean towards experience and or consistency. And so it's been mentioned that Kevin Harris has been the most consistent guy, and so that makes sense to give him, you know, that that top job. Now, could it change? Certainly. Uh, it's, it's not like, again, they've said that, that he's been the most consistent, but also that nobody's just come away and blown away. You know, if Marshawn Lloyd was still healthy right now, he'd be the guy because he was that much better. He was going to be and was that much better. Um, one thing we did hear when Lloyd went down, that we've said this before, is it was viewed and some people told us around the program that there's a, a big chance for Zaquandre to, to really take this opportunity and run with it. But he was a later arrival. Um, he still had to learn this offense, which everybody is in that boat. You know, still had to learn that offense. And then he's also um, had some missed practices. He just not only limited, but straight up missed some practices with the hamstring issue. So he had that sort of working against him. If healthy, he's the guy that has the best chance of being the most dynamic option in this running back group. He's got the most upside, the most probably pure talent, I would say. And so when you got a guy like that, if, if, if he's healthy and, and everything is okay in terms of knowing what to do, then it makes sense that he'll be able to ascend. So I think that's the biggest question, Wes, is just how healthy is he? 
when can he be fully healthy and and how many opportunities does he get and what does he do with them? That's, that's really the key for him. Yeah. And you, you just, anytime you're talking about hamstrings, man, I feel like you don't, you don't want to rush it back. Right. Because you can be fine or think you're fine. And then the second you push it a little bit, you're back behind what, two, three weeks, whatever it may be. So you really have to be careful with those. I, I think so. We'll see running back again. And this just gets to the greater point we've talked about earlier and really all offseason is that playmakers are going to have to emerge. I think another best-case scenario is that as the year goes on, all those guys can stay healthy, get healthy in the case of, of uh, White, and that you can bring um, Rashad Amos along and get him more and more comfortable within the scheme because he's still a guy who's shown he can make plays. And, um, you know, he he's a talented kid. It's just a matter of getting him uh, – you know, mentally caught up with the other guys, uh, you know, as a true freshman. Uh, so talking about the other spots, offensive tackle, very much still undecided. I I, I kind of had wondered, Chris, if, if they wanted to similarly name a starting five. And, and really there's one spot that I think you would say is, is left, right? Did they want to get that out of the way just so all the guys can – know where they're going to be and, and work at those particular spots this week. But that that other offensive tackle, and the, that's the best way to say it, I think, is it's the tackle spot opposite of Dylan Wanham. Who emerges is going to determine which side Dylan Wanham is on. But I think that's that's a spot probably – I mean, if it's going into Tennessee week, that means they're still waiting on somebody to, to sort of grab hold of it. And – Man, as we've seen in the past, that probably means it's ongoing for most of the year, just until someone grabs hold of it. Yeah, I don't think it would be a huge surprise if we see more shuffling. Like, if we don't see the same five all year, which, I mean, for a variety of reasons, you don't typically see that. Like like you outlined, I think, in our, our last show, West, Lyman's going to roll an ankle or maybe something more serious, and then you're shifting some guys around. Dennis Daly, again, an example we've talked about a lot because Eric Wolford brought it up. He didn't play, you know, the first year he saw the field, he didn't play in the first game. He played some in the second, and then he ran what he got the start in game three, I think it was, and just ran with it the rest of the way. Maybe we see something like that, whether it's Justin Turrentine or something else or somebody else. Um, it could be that may, maybe Eric Wolford feels like things are pretty close and he rotates guys a little bit more, shifts guys a little bit more. They have a little bit more depth than they have in the past. That doesn't mean don't anybody take that and, and go say that Chris Clark said there's a, a two deep and absolutely no drop off on the offensive line from each position. That's not what I'm saying, but they do have a closer competition at some spots. They're looking for all of them to get better. Um, they got a closer competition. They got more guys overall. And so um, some of them are a little bit more solidified. Hutcherson at left guard. I mean, it looks like, Eric Douglas is going to be the center game one, but tackle, you know, we're not as sure. And we're not as sure if what it is in game one is going to continue throughout the season. Well, and, and as we saw last year, it, um, if you perform, you're probably going to stay in there. If you don't, um, it can change very quickly. And, you know, some guys got banged up against North Carolina too, but we saw a very quick shift. And then for the most part, some of the spots when guys were healthy stayed the same for, for a nice stretch of games. So it's all about, it's all about consistency, man. That's probably uh, the word we've used most uh, other than the word COVID um, all 
uh, preseason camp. So, um, but, but yeah, man. So I, I mean, still, and again, the, the fact is, dude, we've been going for 43 and a half minutes now and we haven't said the word defense until right now. So again, offense is where the questions are, right? Like that's the spots that are going to have to just, I would say, get better as the season progresses because when you have that many questions, that doesn't automatically mean those positions are negative, but it's normally not a great sign either. And, you know, Bobo has had more talent to work with. Um, Overall, more proven talent, I probably should say, to be fair to everybody, more proven talent to work with at his other stops. So this is going to be very interesting to see how he puts it all together. Um, We're going to talk defense in a second. By the way, if you're no matter what you're watching on, hit the like button, hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button, uh, especially on YouTube. We're trying to grow our YouTube numbers. If you're watching on YouTube, hit like, hit subscribe, hit the bell. That is the absolutely easiest way that you can very quickly, easily, and for free help us out because that helps grow our numbers on here. So do us a favor, hit the like, hit the subscribe, and boost those numbers up. And if you're listening on the podcast, um, you know, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff that I don't even know what all that means. Just do it. So, all right, defense is settled for the most part. I think I mentioned last week or last time we talked, I do think I've heard a little bit of rumblings. Zach Pickens maybe, maybe pushing into the mix um, for that starting role on defensive ta- at defensive tackle. But for the most part, right when they're in the four three, if everybody's healthy and nobody's contact traced and all that stuff, you sort of know what it looks like. The nickel package is sort of that last big question, and that's who's the fifth DB going to be. I, you know, you go back maybe two weeks ago, week and a half ago, I was leaning Cam Smith from from what I was hearing as being the next guy. But man, again, you know, you and I have talked quite a bit about how much sort of reading between the lines with Will Muschamp, who he mentions first, who he sort of pipes up about a little bit. I think Shiloh Sanders is coming on strong in this competition. Is that the vibe you get as well? It's been mentioned a lot. He's been mentioned a lot. I think it, you know, the beginning, or maybe I won't say the beginning, in the midst of preseason, you know, he was mentioned to me as a guy that, like you could tell he was in the mix. He was getting himself into the mix. And then as it's progressed, a little bit more, like you said, man, a little bit more buzz about him. And so um, Muschamp even mentioned him again today, some of the things he said you can sort of tell that he's legitimately in that mix. And it looks like it, it could potentially go down to the wire. And, and again, we could be seeing another situation where multiple guys could get an opportunity. It's If it's close, it's about who's going to take that opportunity and run with it, who's going to be the best. Um, but Shiloh, look, he's he's always had some talent, right? With him, it was about he, he was safety last year, mainly. He was sort of raw, and so it was about – learning you know there's a lot on the safeties in this defensive scheme and so first year player it's about learning all those things so he needed some time but he's appeared to make some strides playing that nickel spot too and he can play nickel or safety Uh, but he's certainly made some noise as part you know Jalen Dickerson's been limited some with that hamstring hopefully he can get back for his sake and the team's sake and, and be fully healthy and that doesn't linger 
But there's been some openings for Shiloh. You know, Cam Smith, like you mentioned, Johnny Dixon, those guys have flashed. But again, here on the I'll, I'll rename it the COVID and Consistency podcast live show. Consistency. I mean, that's what they're looking for. So who's the guy that can do that for them? Who's going to give them the best chance when they're in five DBs? Yeah, and I I will say this, man. Shallow plays fast. You, when you hear coaches say that about somebody, um, the, the first thing, as you said, the first thing coaches are always looking for was – you know, is consistency, trust, right? They want to trust the guy is going to be in the right spot. But short of having someone that absolutely does that, because I've made the, the point on here before, we, we all of us watching, we look for those big flash plays, right? Coaches want the guy that they can throw out there and know he's going to be where he's supposed to be. But short of that, they're going to take the guy that just plays with his hair on fire over the guy who is so busy thinking that he gets bogged down mm-hmm. and not only makes the mistake, but makes the mistake slow. Like yeah. the, the next best thing to having the guy that's always in the right place is the guy I think that may, may he maybe doesn't necessarily always get it quite right, but he's doing it at, at full speed. And good things tend tend to happen for guys like that. I don't know if you saw. Did you see our boy Jair Alexander on Sunday? No. Um, he um, Jair, a former South Carolina commitment, uh, signed with Louisville, ends up being first round pick, right? Yep. With the Packers. Yep. And Chris, you broke Jair's commitment, I think. Um, so Jair basically. Saw this is a goal line play where they're actually backed up. Their opponent was backed up in the goal line. Jair reads run, right? And it was actually a play action pass. So it it looked like a cornerback blitz. And Jair got completely fooled. He literally leaves his man. So if this pass is completed, it's a 99-yard touchdown. He leaves his man. But Rather than just stopping, being like, I've messed up, turning around and running, he just keeps running towards the quarterback, right? And literally goes in unblocked because nobody was expecting him just to come off his man and sacks the quarterback for a safety. So <laughs> so point being, and he was they were asked about, wow, that's a, a nice cornerback call. And he was like, or cornerback blitz call. He's like, no. <laughs> he's, like, I I just, he's like, I just went. So there are some, you know, football isn't really played on paper. These are humans. So if you're gonna if you're gonna make a mistake, sometimes you get rewarded when you just keep playing fast and and try to complete the play, even if you, um, you know, didn't really do what you were supposed to do. So that was just the example that popped in my head, and it was a guy that we were familiar with. So I, you know, I, I think this defense is gonna be fun for fans to watch. I, I really do. I think, Chris, there's going to be some value in the fact that the offense is going to operate at a little bit more of a methodical pace of play and maybe the sense of not putting this defense in as many bad spots as it was in last year. And, 
you know, I, I watch or I, I read about some of like the SP plus stuff, like the analytical stuff on ESPN. Um, I can't think of the guy's name right now. Do you know who does that? He used to be with, I think, SB Nation, and now he's with ESPN. Bill Barnwell. Um, is that right? Um, anyway, the SP plus, like, analytics of South Carolina's defense last year had them, I think, in the low 30s. Like, not, like, not bad at all, basically, is my point. So, this defense, even last year, was put in some bad spots. And, yes, they're going to have to replace – some some talented kids, Ken Law, Wanham, TJ Brunson. We probably haven't even talked about the loss of TJ Brunson as much as we should have. But I I think there's talent and depth to work with on this defense. And I think fans are going to be excited to see the way they play because one sort of I would say big theme when the players have talked has been confidence. Like these guys, Chris, sound confident in this defense and that they're going to be ready to play. Yeah, I think when you look at this unit, so the biggest question, as it has been, can they stay healthy? You know, I mean, that's number one. And and we don't know. We don't know the answer to that. Can't predict it. It's been an issue. If they can be healthy, I think you feel pretty good about it. Um, Now, one key is being complimentary of all sides of the ball. When you get to last season and you look at it, you look at some of the defensive performances and you go, Oh, man, you know, Texas A&M, I can't remember. They gave up 30-something points. Defense played well in that game early. It was just three and out, three and out, three and out. And your defense at some point is going to give or wear down. And both of them happened, and they had some injuries on top of that. So, you know, that's number one. But number two, you know, I feel like they have they have more guys of quality in the back end, for example. You know, at safety, I feel like they got a few more options back there. Looking at the totality of the secondary up front, again, Ken Law and Wanham, big losses. TJ Brunson, big loss on the back end. But you've got some guys who've now played a lot of ball, and you've got some guys where you feel like up front, you probably feel good about your two deep if you're staying healthy there. You know, so they're going to be tested early because that Tennessee offensive line has some guys on it. You know, I mean, they've got some guys that can play. Trey Smith is a legitimate dude. You know, they've got some young players, and that that showed at times once Tennessee hit stride a little bit more last year. They've got some backs who who can play too. So that'll be a really big test right off the bat, and it'll give us, I think, a good measuring stick. But certainly you, you go into this season feeling like if the defense is healthy that it's not as big of a question mark. Is it an elite defense? I'm not going there. But this is a defense that's certainly good enough to help you win games if your offense can do enough to put enough points on the board. Yeah, and, and we'll see if, if the offense can. That's the million-dollar question, right? But, you know, we'll see, man. So, by the way, I know this maybe right now is – I was looking at the numbers. I can already see some of them. Might be our most um, attended or most watched show yet, which is a great sign. And we haven't actually been pushing this deal publicly anymore. But considering what I just said, if you are on here and you're not a Gamecock Central subscriber, Chris, I th- it's still active, right? If you use the code, yep. use the code Gamecocks, you'll get fifty percent off your first uh, year of an annual subscription on GamecockCentral.com. If you are a new subscriber, so if you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, whatever, listening on the pod, and you've never checked out our content, love to have you over there. 
and love to have you uh, on our message board, the Insider Forum there on Gamecock Central, as we watch this very strange but exciting year play out. And I'm just glad, man, we're finally – I know we've said this a couple of times, but we're literally talking about football storylines now. So you're not all going to agree with the decision, as I've seen from some of these comments uh, that are are running across. Um, But at least we're disagreeing about this and not about other things. I know there's enough other things for us to disagree about, but at least we can all – argue about football stuff right now and sort of be a distraction. And yes, Drew Edwards, Bill Connolly is who ah. I was trying to think of on yep. ESPN.com. And uh, that, uh, that th- those things, analytics aren't, they don't always tell the story. I know, and I, I'm a big baseball fan as well. Analytics are huge in baseball now. I know the analytics people think <sighs> analytics can like tell the complete full story. And then old school people think analytics are a bunch of BS and, um, you know, it, it's not it's not a real stat or whatever. But I do think they're a guide, right? They're, they're a good guide. And I, I think Carolina's defense last year was not as bad as maybe the reputa- reputation that they, they've gotten. And, you know, it, Chris, if you really think about it, South Carolina to a lot of people that probably don't watch, frankly – I mean, think how, how many games for other teams do you get to watch in a given year, right? So we watch all of South – we watch every snap of South Carolina's games multiple times in a lot of cases. So South Carolina right now is considered a 4-8 and eight football team to a lot of people. And a lot of last year happened while South Carolina was very, very banged up. So – you know, we'll we'll see what what does a healthy South Carolina look like. They still obviously have to replace a Brian Edwards, a Javon Kinlaw, some really good players. But can they stay healthy? And does it look different? You know, if they are able to stay relatively healthy, we'll see. But but that that's the exciting thing about it. You expectations really aren't that high right now. But that's not always the worst way to go into a season. Yeah, I think it's I, I think it is important to set those expectations of, you know, don't expect after losing Brian Edwards and and to, you know, shift offensive coordinators just all right, everything's great now. It's it's back to thirty points a game, you know, type of thing. It, it shouldn't be that. And the reality is this, man. I don't know if anybody wants to hear this. The schedule's hard. You can be good. You can be a pretty good team and get beat up by this schedule. You really can. It's, there's going to be some close games, probably. Um, and so the difference for South Carolina is going to be, can they go win those close games? Health's going to be a big thing. You can't even, – even if you're super down on any aspect of the team, Will Muschamp or whatever it may be, you couldn't even take an objective look at the past couple years and say – uh, maybe they'd have another win or two or maybe more if they were healthy at those times, right? I mean, it, it, it was absurd at times. So will, you know, fortune, fate, luck be a little bit more on their side, Paul Jackson, whatever you want to attribute it to. If they can stay healthy, that'll give them a little bit more of a chance. Now, offensively, big concerns with lack of weapons, new scheme, all those different types of things. But, again, if they can just be average there sometimes – 
and this defense is what we think it could be, that's going to give you a chance in some games, I think. Yep, and I, I see a lot of people talking about Jalen Brooks, uh, a couple of comments, a couple of questions. Still no word there. Obviously, that's going to be a big storyline the next week that we're trying to track there on uh, on Gamecock Central. And uh, and we'll see. You know, I, I think that's a – talk about this offense and the playmakers. That's going to be a huge key for South Carolina will be to get Jalen Brooks eligible. Um, let's see. We had a few more comments. I <laughs> – Graham says that I look like Travis D'Arno for the Braves. I've actually started getting that lately now that people see him and see what he looks like. Um, I've had multiple people tell me that, uh, which I think – I mean, I'll take it, I think. I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, Cooper, we will be doing our Tennessee breakdown. I don't – Chris, to answer his question, and, and we actually – I want to get some feedback from everybody right now because we still got a lot of people on here. I think we've talked about most of – what we can talk about now, but I, y'all, y'all hang tight. I want to get some feedback from everybody on here about some, about how we're going to structure some things. First of all, I don't think there's going to be one like Tennessee breakdown show, Chris, right? Like we'll sort of just go into the week next week. We'll, we'll obviously turn our attention to Tennessee. So if y'all want to sort of get it in, get it in, you know, on your schedules mentally or whatever, tomorrow we are going to be on from four to five and, we're going to be live market on Main. That's Main Street, Columbia. Come say hello. By the way, if you come out, I'll give you something free. I'm not sure what it's going to be yet, but I will give you something for free if you come out and say hello um, and see Chris and I out there. And so the coaches, Bobo and T-Rob, talk to the media tomorrow at 1 and 1.30. So that's sort of the schedule for tomorrow as far as keeping up with the team. You'll get to hear from those guys. And then, you know, we'll post video from that. We'll post a couple articles from that. And then we'll talk about it on uh, on Friday as far as did we learn anything new, any, you know, where are things at. Then next week, here's where we need the feedback. What time is the best time to do these shows? Um, and the great thing is they are archived after, so you can really watch it at any point. We're going to have Tennessee guests, as in somebody who knows Tennessee I think we're going to have some former Carolina players on to talk. And it'll kind of be a combination. We'll be talking about Tennessee. We'll be talking about the game, obviously. And then we'll be talking about this side of things, the South Carolina side of things as well. But then at some point on game day, I'd like to hop on here and just sort of be able to chop it up with y'all as well. So that lends the question. And Chris, I I don't know the answer yet. What's the best time before a game to sort of have that final preview, right? Like that final talk. Is it right before the game? Are most of you watching the games from home this year? Are you tailgating? Are you going to market on Main? Which is if you can't go to the game where you should be. Um, but do, do you do a pregame like well before the game when people are just sitting around doing nothing? Or do you do it an hour before? Or or what's the I – don't, I don't even know. I don't know. What do y'all do pregame? Do y'all just listen to 107.5? Do you watch other games? But I think a real true pregame show on here would be really fun to do with you guys and we'd make it interactive and actually, you know, sort of make it more of a – do like a Q&A type thing like that as well. Um, fr- Friday night, I see that comment, probably not going to work because a lot of times we'll be at high school games and I don't want to promise that. We have high school games we're going to go to, but um, 
I don't know, man. Chris, what, what do you think? I guess that's something we're going to have to figure out is exactly how we're going to schedule these things out. Yeah, we're going to have to take it under advisement. And we've gotten a lot of 3 p.m.s. That's interesting. Did y'all why, ban why, why three? Yeah. I think they got in a group chat and said, let's all go for three. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out, man. That's something we've kicked around. And I think we'll be open to suggestions on that to try to give the people what they want. And some days, you know, um, you know, we may have something that we got to do. You know, maybe we got to hit the road. Maybe we got to do at some point. Maybe there'll be a recruiting announcement at some point in the future ever again um, <laughs> that we got to go cover. So, yeah, we'll um, we'll figure all that out. We'll definitely take the feedback and there's going to be I'm sure there's going to be feedback and a lot of different ideas about it. But that does help us for sure. Yeah. So post it on here. Give us your feedback. And um all right, man, you, you got any final thoughts for today, Chris? I, I see the numbers are finally starting to go down. But, I, man, I appreciate – I really appreciate the response we got today because those that were watching the little live view things, um, that's probably the highest we've gotten on combined on YouTube and Facebook since we've been doing these. Yeah, man, we, we really appreciate everyone. Uh, we look forward to continuing to grow the show, which we're going to be doing. Again, if you missed it earlier um, or even if you heard it, we're going to be – announcing some stuff here in the you know probably beginning tomorrow at market on main about what we're doing with this in the future so we appreciate everyone you know being a part being loyal listeners if you're new thank you for coming on board and definitely check us out on the web too gamecockcentral.com tons of content on there 50 percent off scrolling across the bottom line there and then like comment subscribe to our channel turn on your notifications by hitting the bell if you're on youtube just appreciate everybody man it's good stuff yeah, I want a, a free Infinity shirt, by the way, Chris. I see you're wearing yeah. it right now. I need one of those. But, yep. um, yeah, and if you're tuning in late, as soon as we go off the air, this will all be archived on YouTube. It's called, um, I think, Colin Hill, named starting quarterback, uh, I think. So you can go back, get all of our comments on QB1 being named today, what we mean, what we think it means, and how he was able to win that job. So uh, for everybody on here, appreciate it. Y'all tell your friends, share it. You know, I, I think there's really a ton we can do with this show because I don't think there's a lot of people that are consistently doing like Gamecock only live videos here. So um, uh, help us spread the word and uh, we will reward it by, I think, having more and more uh, content with some really cool people that we've got planned to, to get on it at some point. So for Chris, I'm Wes. Everybody have a great day and then we'll see you tomorrow. Four o'clock at Market on Main. Everybody have a good one. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.